0: 12 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania and to relentlessly pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. And sometimes, as we will hear in a little bit, that can be a problem. We have another authoritarian episode planned today, and like all episodes of the Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts. You, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your opinions, your solutions, your questions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we are an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com, because, as I like to say, you are an integral part of every episode and you can always tune in, listen in later on iTunes, on PennsylvaniaProject.com, or your favorite podcast provider, whoever that may be. Today, for the you part of the show, we have a whole bunch of authoritarian questions. Lowering the drinking age, capital punishment, sanctuary cities, convention of the states. It doesn't get more authoritarian than all that. After that, part two is all about them, where each week we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. And like last episode, our guest today is flat-out political. We have an attorney, of all things, Dan Wassmer, former assistant solicitor of Bucks County. After that comes part three of the Pennsylvania Project, the me part, where it's my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on a particular issue that really sticks in my craw, pun intended, Back in episode two, I ranted about our archaic traffic laws and how they need to be changed to fit the 21st century. Today, rather than being political about driving, I'm going to get cultural about what really sticks in my craw, inept drivers. And throughout the show, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to narrate our live commercials and whatever comes in our mailbag. Today, we have with us... Not a mere Toastmaster, but a Drexel University professor and faculty advisor for the Drexel University Toastmasters, Rosemary Reese. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Rosemary. Hi, Ken. Well, let's dig right into our mailbag. And remember, our mission here is not just to complain, but to explore solutions.
1: So what do we have today, Rosemary? First, we have a message from Kobe Goodling, Winfield, Pennsylvania, asking, what about sanctuary cities and immigration? Myself and friends are for limited government and individual rights, but in many ways consider ourselves to be civic nationalists, which is a framework that easily coincides with libertarian views. But we feel strongly about national sovereignty and support strict immigration policy. That isn't much of an issue at the state level, but many of my friends oppose sanctuary. Sorry for the long text, but this is a very heated issue, especially lately.
0: Well, Kobe, it is actually something of a state issue, because what you're talking about here is an aspect of the relationship between Pennsylvania and Washington. And when it comes to any federal issue, first place I look is the federal Constitution, of course. I have mine right here in hand. And the first place in the Constitution I look is the 10th Amendment, then the 9th, then Article One, Section 8. And then, if I have to, usually I don't, the rest. Remember that the U.S. Constitution is an agreement that Pennsylvania made with the other states to delegate responsibility to help solve joint problems, and securing the borders like you're talking about is one of them. So if it's something that that Pennsylvania has tasked to the federal government to do, it's really up to the feds to enforce it. But let's take a look at what the Pennsylvania Constitution says. And you know, I know it pretty well and I went through it, but it's not Pennsylvania's job to enforce federal law. In fact, we would leave ourselves open to legal action if we were tempted to enforce the laws of any other jurisdiction, whether it's Washington or Paris or Tehran or whoever it may be. So by law, we can't have anything to do with any sanctuary city. We can't do anything at all. Helping them would violate federal law. Hindering them would violate federal law. It's the Fed's responsibilities, not ours. And anyone who helps or hinders them leaves themselves open to legal action. But there's a flip side to that stand. Since it's not in the, in the federal constitution, such as their insane war on drugs, then the feds don't have, have any authority to prosecute it. But good luck getting the feds to live by something like that. Let me give you an example. If it took a constitutional amendment to ban alcohol, shouldn't it also take a constitutional amendment to ban cannabis, or any drug for that matter? And where do all these alphabet soup federal agencies get their authority to operate inside Pennsylvania anyway? And not just the DEA, but what about the BATF, the EPA, the TSA, the DOE, SHA, FDA, EEOC, et cetera, on and on. They have no constitutional authority here. The only thing they have is, quote-unquote, needful forts and buildings in Article One, Section 8. But we're wandering deeper and deeper into non-Pennsylvania territories. So let's get things back to Pennsylvania, Rosemary. What else do we have?
1: Okay, right on, Ken. Next one is from Terry Walsack in Pennsylvania. Are you for or against capital punishment? I cannot support murderers living on the tax dollar without the penalty, without the death penalty. I firmly believe that we should not be giving out free tickets to live to the 185 murderers on death row in PA. If it was a relative of yours, my question is, would you want the correct justice? When a murderer commits such a crime, the death penalty is the correct punishment.
2: Hmm.
0: This is an easy one. I like the softball questions. I strongly oppose the death penalty, always have. It's far, far too great a power to be entrusted to the government of all people. Because think about it, what if the courts make a mistake? And of course the courts never make mistakes, do they? No, it always happens. There's no opportunity to change your mind. There's nothing you can do. What's done is done. And then there's the slippery slope syndrome because once they have it for one crime, you can bet they're gonna expand it into other areas and that's already been happening. I remember Newt Gingrich was calling for the death penalty for those convicted of drug offenses. Good grief. It's bad enough we're releasing murderers and rapists from our overcrowded prisons to make room for pot smoking Grateful Dead fans, but now Newt wants to murder them for sharing a joint with somebody? Come on. Ken, you don't play that. If I were elected governor, I would never sign a single death warrant, not one. I refuse to use the power of government to kill. I'm not a murderer. And simply by saying, oh, it's the law, does not make murder right.
1: Next, we have Paul Allen Schultz from New Kensington, Pennsylvania. He wants to know, do you support the Convention of States? I support the Convention of States project a national effort to call a convention under Article 5 of the United States Constitution, restricted to proposing amendments that will impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit its power and jurisdiction, and impose term limits on its officials and members of Congress.
0: Now, there you go. There's another one about the issue between, an issue between the relationship of Pennsylvania and Washington. Let me give you a short answer. I always like to start off with the short answer. That way you know where I'm coming from. And the short answer this time is no, I do not support the convention of the States. For those not aware, there are two ways of amending the federal constitution. i got to get away from this federal stuff, I'll tell you. But either Congress can amend it or the states can do it. Every amendment so far has been done by Congress. But two-thirds of the states can vote to amend it too. And that's what this Convention of the States is all about. Main reason I oppose one is that I fear the outcome. Because regardless of whether or not they try to limit it, the topics of the convention can Just wander around. The risk is very great that they'll begin proposing wholesale changes to the Constitution. And isn't that how we got the Constitution we have right now? Sure is. And suppose we did have it anyway. I would imagine that we libertarians and other freedom-loving people would be in the minority, assuming we got any representation at all. I can talk. And even if we did get in there, look what happened to the Ron Paul supporters at the Republican Convention in 2016. They were ignored, overruled, despite what the Constitution rules said. And I'd expect that same illegal treatment to happen all over again. Let me take a step back for a minute and just remind you of the motto of the Pennsylvania Project. More important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. Because there's a much bigger reason that I oppose the convention. It is not solving the correct problem. How so? Imagine, we libertarians get elected and we dominate the event. We get some kick-ass constitutional amendments passed. So what? So what? Because the real issue here is that the two old parties aren't following the Constitution that we have now. The parts they don't like, they maneuver around or just plain ignore. Passing a few more amendments, it's not going to change that. They'll ignore the new right along with the old. Bottom line, I see absolutely nothing to gain. But I see so much to lose.
1: Our next great question comes from Kirsten Wagner, Perkasie, Pennsylvania. She asks, should we be lowering the drinking age for beer and wine to 19? Hmm. I am the mother of two sons, ages 22 and almost 20. I'm tired of hearing about fraternity and basement parties that are unsupervised, and I have hard alcohol at any age, even 24. I am one of thousands of mothers who would rather take back control of showing our children the idea of responsible drinking in restaurants and at home. I would rather have my sons at a bar under the watchful eyes of bartenders and security. These young adults don't want to get drunk. They want the social aspect of going dancing, listening to a band, watching a sports game with others their age. Countless other parents stay up all night worrying about their children when we shouldn't have to. It's amazing that everyone is for decriminalizing marijuana. I am as well, but a 20-year-old still can't watch the Super Bowl in a bar with his friends.
0: Good question. Lowering the drinking age? The short answer is no. I do not support lowering the drinking age. I support eliminating the drinking age. Because instead of having police play babysitters, you know, Kirsten, you're right. Let's have parents fill that role instead. Only in the last resort should parents have to turn to the authorities for help. And preferably those authorities would be medical and not legal. And you got to remember, at least in my case, for most people I would say, the first encounter with alcohol was long before they hit the legal age. And it makes me wonder why we have those laws at all. Why have the two old parties criminalized typical adolescent behavior? Well, we're the Pennsylvania Project. We're all about solutions. So what should we do? Well, the solution is something I've mentioned time and time again. If a person can't control their drinking, regardless of their age or their inept driving habits, which we'll talk about more, or their firearms or their fracking or anything else that violates the rights and property of others, as part of their sentence given by the court, we can also give them a can't license. I've talked about can't licenses before. What does it mean? If they get a can't drink license, that means they can't drink. If they get a can't drive license, they can't drive. Can't possess a firearm, can't frack or whatever it is. And it's not forever. It's for a spec- specified, I can talk, specified period of time. And if we catch them violating their can't drink license. We'll toss their butt in the clinker or fine them if they're an adult or shut them down if they're a corporation. Nice thing about a can't license is we only persecute the guilty, not the responsible drinker, not the responsible driver, responsible gun owner, fracker, or whatever. I hear you, Kirsten. Putting a kid in a cage is definitely not a solution. I lost a good friend to alcoholism, and I'd hate to see anybody else suffer a similar loss. So yeah, let's save lives. Let's eliminate the drinking age, and let's institute can't licenses. Well, I think that's going to have to do it for the you portion of the show. We're going to pause with this information, and when we return, we'll be talking with Dan Wassmer, former assistant solicitor of Bucks County.
2: Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed. Available at all online bookstores or through atlistsnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. Hey,
0: Ken Krauchuk
2: here, caster
0: for the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high paying job. At least for some people, it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader communicates effectively. If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me. I joined Toastmasters, and now I have my own radio show. So turn your life around like I have. Visit toastmasters.org and contact the club nearest you. Visitors are always welcome, and be sure to mention my name. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts at toastmasters.org. Hey, Ken Crocher here, and welcome to the them portion of episode 12 of The Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. My guest today though, he's all political, Dan Wassmer. He's an attorney of all things, a graduate of the New York Law School, former assistant solicitor of Bucks County adjunct faculty member at Bucks County Community College and also studied philosophy at Adelphi University. And I found out we have a past connection that I never knew about. In 2018, I saw that he subscribed to my gubernatorial YouTube channel and he had one of my yard signs on his lawn. Wow, what a guy. Well,
3: actually, that last part's not entirely true. No. But I did have it in my office window. Oh,
0: there so, you go. It's close enough. Yeah. My
3: mom, unfortunately, and I say this unfortunately, is a uh, Republican committee woman who, uh, there's certain reasons that that is actually my home residence uh-huh. up in Pike County now, uh, would not allow me to put a Libertarian sign on her Republican uh, lawn. So,
2: there you go.
3: But what can I tell you? We, no. know that, we know that whole situation. Anyway. Uh-huh, that's yeah.
0: right. Hey, you, you agreed to it when you moved in there. <laughs> Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project. Thank you, sir. Good My to, to have pleasure you to be here. Yeah. You are the first attorney. This is episode 12, and it's taken us this long. And we've had a, an interesting parade before you. We've had a Pennsylvania National Guard captain. We had a—she called herself an active, consensual adult sex worker. And— so we've had and we also had a seventeen year old Toastmaster.
3: That's uh, very similar to what attorneys do. <laughs>
0: <you know? laughs> uh-huh. I I'm thinking of a of an off color joke at the moment about the difference between a rooster and a lawyer. But we'll leave that one set. Mm-hmm.
3: There you go. So
0: So an attorney, what's your what's your area of
3: specialty? What- I you know what I I've been practicing law for twenty nine years now. Wow. Practicing and, that uh, law. When are you gonna learn? I'm never gonna learn. There you go. Um I've probably done pretty much everything but intellectual property work. Really? So, yeah. Know. Well,
0: I hold three United States patents, so I could just there I'll you go.
3: There, there you go. You could tell me about it then. Yeah. No. I have friends that do that, and unfortunately, if I had been smarter, I would have gone and gotten a degree in science or engineering, gone to law school, and then I would have been able to charge about seven dollars or $800 an hour.
0: Wow. Well, well, my lawyer must have been doing me a favor. He charged <laughs> me a heck of a lot less.
3: There you go. So... So, what sort of how,
0: where do you find yourself
3: in the legal biz? What do
0: you, what area do you cover?
3: My my current um, employment status is to do as little legal work as possible.
0: I think most of us do that at work, don't we?
3: I don't know, but uh, I do teach at Bucks County Community College. I teach business law. I teach a couple of business classes there. I'm an adjunct professor and. Um, I had a partner who killed over in his 40s, dropped dead, and I thought to myself, instead of working from 7 a.m. to 11 o'clock at night, I've had enough of it, and I'm going to try to really limit my focus and do a couple hours a day, and that's how I've been handling Uh
0: things. And, you know, I still haven't heard what your focus is.
3: I'm trying to avoid
0: that. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. We can do that. We have Mm -hmm. the same situation. Well, no, with our adult consensual sex workers, she was. There you I, go. I said, not,
3: they're not talking about their clients either so no, no. yes that's <laughs> right
0: and i asked her too let's define mm-hmm. our terms mm-hmm. and she says well i said what do you mean by a sex worker she goes well prostitute hooker and she went down this big long list of words some of them i had never heard before mm-hmm. so you always got to start there mm-hmm. well then let me come at it from another point of view what area of law you say you're in business law
3: i do do business law
0: what does business law mean
3: well, I set up corporations, companies, business entities, try to um, advise people who are invi- uh, involved in business on different business issues and mm-hmm. so on. So it
0: encompasses a lot of stuff. Is so that individuals or companies or who?
3: Generally, uh, individuals who start companies, upstart mm-hmm. corporations, things like that, limited liability companies, uh-huh. and so
0: on. You actually advise people to start corporations?
3: I do. Wow. You know, I'll, I'll tell you something. Um, it's funny because a lot of people, when they hear the word corporation, they freak mm-hmm. out.
1: And and my, as they should.
3: My, well, my view about it is a little bit different. Um, you know, we have a right under the U.S. Constitution to assembly, and from my perspective, a corporation, a limited liability company or something like that, is really the right of people to collectively operate a business as a form of assembly. I don't, by, the, by any means, matter, or form, believe that the corporation should have the same rates as individuals, but people obviously have the right to conduct their business in any form they see fit.
0: Uh-huh. So. Well, my my question was more along the lines of, do you inform them of the difficulty of a corporation? Oh, and abso- absolutely. And, and the most difficult mm-hmm. part, I have personally started four corporations, mm-hmm. one nonprofit. Two LLCs and one sub S, subchapter S. Sure. Do you know how hard it is to kill a corporation once I, you're done
3: with I, it? I uh, unfortunately do. And I, <laughs>
0: I, I hope you advise your, I, your I,
3: clients. I generally try to steer them away from setting up corporations for that. Paci- one of well, let me rephrase that. One of the reasons I try to steer people away from corporations is that particular issue.
0: Mm-hmm. That's it. Because yeah. we formed one to own the patents, the three patents that I hold. Because we were going after some very, very big fish. We were going to an auction where the starting price was a million dollars for all three of them. And we thought, you maybe we better get serious about mm-hmm. this. So we put together the LLC. And that was best because we were able to allocate the ownership of the corporation in one direction and allocate the funds that the income in a different direction and that's the real benefit of the llc
3: you know you know it's amazing uh people don't realize it but llcs are actually um pretty useful in estate planning work
0: too estates yeah Yeah. because you
3: could shift membership interests to other family members Uh and um you know try to get certain assets moved over to people that otherwise you couldn't split up that's right for instance like a uh i'll give you a quick for instance uh Family, I know, uh, had a bar down in Philadelphia. And they wanted to start to add certain family members. So we actually put the bar into an LLC and then issued the family members' membership in the bar, and that way they were able to all become members of the bar, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that makes sense, mm-hmm. certain
0: certain situations. But I, I tell you, I my – the sub-S I use for my, my consulting work. I'm an information technology consultant. Mm-hmm. And I've had that since the 80s. And I, I really, really like it. Because one thing I really like about it is that any money that it makes is not necessarily considered as income. Mm-hmm. You could just do a distribution. You could declare a special dividend or something like that. But I found out the hard way that the LLC, the income, is assumed to be income
3: there is a certain limit which the IRS does yes. not tell you about where they will yeah. impute that money as income to you and as opposed to <laughs> – <laughs> I found that one out the hard way. <laughs> yep. Well, you don't want to find that out the hard no, way, unfortunately. So no, it, it, Sorry to hear that happen to you. Well,
0: you know, it was my own fault because mm-hmm. I, I didn't know it. You're right. They didn't tell me. And you don't want to walk into these things blindly, which is Mm -hmm. why I said you actually recommend that.
3: Uh, You know, the uh, number of people who unfortunately try to do a lot of this stuff on their own without actually consulting an attorney is mind-boggling. And it's funny because when I teach business law at the community college, I always tell my students, I am not here to teach you law. I'm here to teach you how to speak to an attorney about (laughs) what the law is Uh so you can identify these issues that might come up so Uh
0: yeah when i started my corporation that's that's what i did i mean i i i consider myself to be relatively smart Mm -hmm. but i'm smart enough to know when i don't know something So what I did is I hired an attorney Mm -hmm. to incorporate. I held my first meeting there with him and everything. And I had him hold my hand for the first six months and I said, no, I think I got this. And Mm -hmm. I I know where he lives. If I have a question, I can go back to him. And I did the same thing with the accountant. I had a CPA start doing stuff. took a little long with the CPA. But after two years, it's like, I can do this. This isn't that difficult. Of course, if I wanted to do something crazy, then, yeah, then I'd I'd go back to her too.
3: Well, well, you know, any regulation or law is not – written to be simple unfortunately
0: i so know that, jesus enough because... to make you vote libertarian ain't it you know i say that to my brother he always says no mm-hmm. <laughs> but then again he lives in delaware county and you got to be republican
3: mm-hmm. well it's funny my uh, my dad was a plumber when i was growing up and my father when i graduated from law school said to me uh, you know you lawyers are really uh, outrageous with your legal fees and stuff yeah. And I said to my dad, I said, you know, I said, um, how many times in your lifetime did you change all of your tools? And he just kind of looked at me and said, um, you know, I've had the same tools I've started my plumbing practice with. And I said, Dad, every day the law changes. I have to buy new tools every day. Yeah, that's day. right. So, you know, as much as I'd like to say I could make a fortune as an attorney, it's uh, – not what it's cracked up to be. I so. know. And
0: I consider myself a, an amateur. Not amateur. I call it a hobby. Legal is my hobby. Mm-hmm. And you can ask my wife. Anytime I got a parking ticket or speeding ticket, I'm like, oh, boy. And I've taken a speeding ticket all the way to, to Superior Court, one shy of, of the Supreme Court. And I was going to challenge it. Uh, the ball was in my court, pardon the pun. And I just didn't have the time because to me it's like homework. You know, I hear what you're saying when you're doing 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. And if you if you miss it by a minute, good
3: grief, it's over. You, you know, I had seven people working in my office, and I literally got rid of everybody. Or they kind of left on their own. And uh, it was funny because I would get work, and I would hand it to somebody else to do, and they would kind of put it back on my desk at the end of the day <laughs> for me to review. And I ended up doing more work mm-hmm. with – where I thought I'd be doing less work. So it just became something where I figured I'll try to weed out some of the clients I would otherwise have and Mm
0: -hmm. whatever. You know, my my dentist does that (laughs) at at the end of every year. He takes his most difficult patients and Mm -hmm. he fires them. Mm -hmm. He just says, thank you very much for your business, but sorry, I don't have room for you next Mm -hmm. year. You
3: know, I, I I can understand that. So
0: yeah, Dan, I, I'm getting to like you, even though you're an, <laughs> a, an attorney here. Well, I
3: don't I don't I don't like being an attorney. No, no, I do not like being an attorney. Where's your heart? I would rather be a uh, painter, a painter or a sculptor. A I painter. actually do that. So uh-huh. I do uh, metal sculpture, painting, and stuff like that. Really? But you can't really earn a living at that. So.
0: No, I'm well, allergic to paint, anyways. There you go.
3: Although some of my favorite artists were attorneys. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. You know, like Manet and stuff like that. Actually went to law school and were failures at being lawyers and became painters. So. Uh-huh.
0: But. Wow. So how soon <laughs> are you retiring to move on to this new career? Never.
3: Never. Never. I Never. Like uh-huh. Never. Wait, you like the legal I profession do. that much? No, I I uh, I have bills to pay, and that's mm. how I pay the Appointments bills. to get, miles yep. to go before yep. I sleep. So. Yep. My, reti- my retirement plan basically involves me working until I drop dead. Morning, so.
0: <laughs> well, I don't consider what I do work because right now for my largest client, I'm using my patents on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And the basis of the patents is that any information system can be represented exclusively by connections. Mm-hmm. You don't need bits or bytes or anything like that. And what I'm doing right now is one one-sixth of their company, I'm translating that into connections because they can't see. If a bad output comes out, like, all right, where did that come from? They can't track it backwards. They don't have connections through their business process to, to find out where the original input was or where it got messed up along the way. Mm-hmm. So that's the – and I'm doing that now. People say, you ever going to retire? It's like, no. If I was going to retire, I'd be wanting to use my patents to help large corporations figure out why their data is going mm-hmm. bad, things like that.
3: Good grief. Well, it was funny because um, when I first started – When I first graduated from law school, I worked as a paralegal at uh, Paul Weiss, Rifkin, Wharton, and Garrison. A lot of names. Yeah. And you probably recognize that name from a little uh, fiasco, actually two, one would have been the Iran-Contra hearings. No, I, I haven't watched TV. You never si- heard
0: that one? I've I heard of it, but I haven't watched TV <laughs> since 1975. Okay, I've, I've missed gotcha. a lot of cultural references. Well
3: the, well, the other one was Michael Milliken's defense. That one I heard. Okay, and he's a Philadelphia guy. So I worked at the firm as a paralegal, um, actually not directly through them, but through a company that assigned me there, and um, – it was an interesting experience watching that whole thing go down, uh-huh. you know? but um, well, be that
0: as it may. Mm-hmm. So. Another thing I'd like to do with my patents is to attack the law with it, mm-hmm. to see how the law fits together, like a super, separ- super shepherdization, something like that, to find out what's connected where. But I want to be able to connect it directly to my job description, the Constitution. Mm-hmm. That way you could find out not only where it's legally authorized, but where it's not authorized. And it was one of my platform planks when I was running for governor, is that I wanted to be able to use my patents to define Pennsylvania's government, to find out where the waste is, the duplication, stuff like that, all that fun stuff. Good,
3: good luck on uh, trying to not find waste in government. So. <laughs> it's, it's like shooting fish in
0: a barrel, <laughs> right? My guest today is Dan Wassmer, former assistant solicitor of Bucks County, and you're listening to The Pennsylvania Project. I'm your caster, Ken Crouchuk, and we'll be right back with Dan after this information.
1: Do you need a state inspection, emissions testing, tires, brakes, exhaust, suspension work, or routine factory scheduled maintenance? For all of your automotive service needs, visit Wallace Auto Service at 700 East Haverford Road in Brynmore, Pennsylvania. Wallace Auto even has a Phillips 66 gas station where you can fill up at great low prices. Check out Wallace Auto online at wallaceautoservice.com or call them at 610 658 9000 For over 16 years, Wallace Auto Service has been proud to serve the Bryn Mawr and Haverford areas. Stop in, say hello, and fill up your tank at Wallace's great low prices. That's Wallace Auto Services in Phillips 66 gas station. 700 East Haverford Road in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, or give them a call at 610-658-9000. Thinking about getting your first tattoo? Maybe you're ready to add that sleeve you've started or cover up that one regretful choice. Put Sam C and his team of artists at Iron Will Tattoo Club in Glenside, Pennsylvania, at the top of your list. The team at Iron Will has plenty of designs to choose from. They can create an original design or work with one you provide. Call 267 893 7625. Today, to schedule your free consultation, that's 267 8WE ROCK, W E R O C K, or visit them on Instagram at Iron Will Tattoo Club. Are you arranging your finances in the most tax-efficient way possible? Call Freedom Financial Tax at 866-401-1090 today to find out. At Freedom Financial Tax, we use creative tax solutions like infinite banking to make sure you're keeping as much of your hard-earned money as possible. Let Freedom Financial Tax help you out with a comprehensive tax plan. Call Freedom Financial Tax now at 866-401-1090. 1090. Are you, a small business owner, always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that would help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen, with a V, W-E-R-L-E-Y.com.
0: Hey, Ken Krawchalk here again, and we're back with Episode 12 of The Pennsylvania Project, and our guest... And I'm always surprised that they never run out the door. Dan Wassmer, former assistant solicitor of Bucks County. He, he just tosses that's, a hand in the air. I, you,
3: I am doing that. So. Yes. That's all right. That's good.
0: Well, I want to back up on some things you mentioned in, in part one. You know, sure. Your dad, he's right. Lawyers are expensive. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. me being the, having a hobby of mm-hmm. playing with the legal system. I I can agree with that. My 1996 rules of court are so outdated as to make me almost laughable. But those high prices, I mean, just because you have to change your tools a lot doesn't mean it's got to be that high.
3: So you want to ask me why attorneys charge so much
0: money? No, you know, I, well, no, not. I can I'm actually not.
3: answer that question for you. I
0: don't. And care. you'd probably like the answer. I don't care why. <laughs> I'm a libertarian. I believe you have the right to live your mm-hmm. life your way without interference, provide you respect the rights and property of others. Mm-hmm. If I tell my clients it's going to cost eight hundred dollars an hour for my time, mm-hmm. they're going to say one of two things: goodbye, or yeah, mm-hmm. yes or no. <laughs> and that's and that's a different. That's just the situation, but. With lawyers, though, there's somebody else involved here. There is. Victims.
3: There's victims, and a lot of times there is the government also.
0: Mm-hmm. That's Let's involved. leave the government aside from this right okay. now, because I'm, I'm thinking of the people. Because mm-hmm. every time that I've gone to court, either to defend my corporation or defend myself, it's it's me or me and the people working for me or something like that. There's, there's some victim mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm out here to help. And the only reason I did is because, yeah, I started out, I used to be a Democrat. I wasn't always a libertarian, and I— I remember the first time my corporation was challenged. The local tax collector came and said, "Can you owe the tax? And you owe it for these past couple of years? You haven't been paying it?" And good old Max, he's gone now, but you know anyway, so I went to a lawyer, an attorney, and he says, "Oh, just go go there and make a deal and you know pay the interest." It's like, "No, no. I don't want to hear this." And he says, "Well, fine, I'll do it. You're going to lose, but it's going to cost you eight hundred dollars an hour or something like that." And I went home. I was very, very disappointed because, you know what that $800 an hour, it wasn't 800. It was 100, 150. Do you know what that did? That took the legal system away from me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have it. And I would dare say that 95% of the planet is in the same situation where they look at it and say, I can't afford the hundred, eight hundred, 800, whatever an hour. Absolutely no denying that. And I'll t- I'll even one-up
3: you. I read an article the Go other day. I read a di- I read an article the other day and I don't know the guy's name um, he was convicted of a crime he did not commit okay I think he spent somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 years in prison mm-hmm. and they just released him either yesterday or the day before after they found out he was not the right guy huh? He appealed apparently to a number of attorneys, and nobody would take the case on, and nobody believed this guy. And finally, it came out that he was not the guilty party. How do you repay somebody who has sat in a prison for forty-five years for a crime they never committed? You I mean, it's outrageous to me.
0: You're you're supporting me here because I, I, I'm not going to. You're not right. Gonna, you've gonna, you've <laughs> won up to me. They've, they've taken. The legal system away from the regular person. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know somebody who was caught up in that, uh, the Mardi Gras riots in Philadelphia. Was it 10, 15 years ago? Mm-hmm. Something like that. And it was the same thing. You know, they, they had to cop a plea. Now they got a record and everything like yep. that because they didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, somebody else, a friend of theirs, the two of them were together when this happened. Friend A knew a congressman. Mm-hmm. The other person didn't. Friend A got off. Friend B, didn't. So what's we're all about solutions here at the Pennsylvania Project. How do we get control wow. of the courts back in the hands of people?
3: <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I've heard people, uh, a friend of mine actually just the other day was talking about this and they said, uh, you know, they said there seems to be a disparity in treatment in the justice system, and I stopped them at that <laughs> point. And I said, well, that's seems, problem number seems. one is the fact that you believe there is a justice system <laughs> in the United States. There is a legal system, but it's not necessarily a justice system. And, um, uh, you yeah. know, before we even start getting into actual laws that are outrageous, you know, we have to approach it that way to begin with. And so – Here's a great story for you. Well, nope. you know,
0: I just want to jump in there sure. and, and mention that African Americans mm-hmm. go to jail for cannabis crimes mm-hmm. five to ten times the rate of whites, Absolutely. even, even mm-hmm. though drug use is the same. The, and when I when I was running for governor, I, I love addressing a black audience because mm-hmm. you know when they agree with you and you know when they don't. Mm-hmm. And when I said the same thing you just said that there's no justice in the justice system, you see the heads nodding, you hear the amens from the back of the room, and everything like that. They know that the court system is racist. Mm-hmm. So, and I asked you the question. I didn't hear the answer. You're good at not answering questions. <laughs> you know, you have a future as an attorney. That's I why, see that. there you go. That's uh,
3: you, you get trained to, like, respond that I way, know. so.
0: You know, my, my patent attorney was the same mm. way. He just <laughs> could not pin him that. He's a great guy, and he's a libertarian. I mm-hmm. like him. I should get a commercial for him on here. So, Anyway, so what's the answer? How do we get? How do we take our courts back?
3: Gosh, I, uh, you know, where to start? I mean, procedures uh, are different from substantive law. And some, don't of the even, proce- some nobody of the pro- knows what I
0: even that even means. No, some, some of some
3: the law. procedures are, you know, just how you walk into a courthouse to begin with, and who the burden of proof is uh-huh. on, and trying to sort all this stuff out is really difficult. What we really need to do, in the... I, I read <laughs> Chitty on pleading, right? It's written mm-hmm. in Middle English. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you really. You know, to learn some of this stuff, you have to spend three years in law school. And when you graduate, you don't even know half of it no. at
0: that point. In my experience, in law school, they teach you procedure. They do not teach you law. They teach you stuff. <laughs> they te- they <laughs> Is teach that a legal term? Stuff? would looked that up my black's well, law.
3: Well, I, I could tell you a kind of funny story. Um, I had uh, just graduated from law school, passed the bar exam in New York. I had mentioned I used to practice in New York. And uh, I got a job at a law firm in midtown Manhattan, and they sent me down to lower Manhattan to basically get a continuance on a case. They sent me in front of a judge named Phyllis Gangle Jacobs, which wouldn't mean anything to you. Uh, however, I'll give you the, the story here. I walked into court. Judge was on the bench, and she said, okay, I have three cases that have to go out for jury selection. And she said uh, – she called the name of the case. I forget what it was exactly. She said, go pick a jury. I said, Your Honor, I just graduated from law school. I don't know how to pick a jury.
1: And she said, are you
3: a – you're a law school graduate? I said, yes. She said, you passed the bar? I said, yes. She said, go pick a jury. Mm-hmm. I said, they don't teach you that in law school. <laughs> you know, you would think somebody graduates from law school, they would uh-huh. know how to pick a jury. It was funny because I – Actually went out to the hallway, made a phone call when they still had pay phones, called up my office, said, send somebody down here who knows how to pick a jury. Nobody was available. I went back in the courtroom, and strangely enough, I got to listen to part of the Donald Trump first divorce
0: case. Uh, you call yourself lucky? <laughs> you know, I could tell you how to it pick was a jury. Funny. <laughs> you, you just you get the list of everybody mm-hmm. and you divide it by 12 and you pick every 12th name. Yeah, like you one could 12th do that. the list mm-hmm. down the line. No. You should read my novel, Atlas Snubbed. The mm-hmm. commercial was on at the top of the mm-hmm. show there because that's how they pick juries there. Mm-hmm. First time it happened, people in the audience were stunned. Second case that came up, the courtroom was packed, mm-hmm. packed with the friends of the defendant. Right At the third case, the room was overflowing with townspeople because they weren't going to let him get away with that again. Mm-hmm. So instead of people avoiding jury duty, you should have been here last week, my last episode. Episode t- 11, I ranted about jury duty, and I went off about William Penn and his trial and everything like that. But, so coming back to the question, the answer was no. Now, when I was on debates in the governor race, the, the other politicians – polit- I'm not a politician. I haven't broken a promise yet. Mm-hmm. When I break a promise, you can call me a politician. But the politicians, I'd always do that to them. i said, wait a minute. Was that a yes or was that a no? Hang on. Did I get an answer there? Uh, Because there's one other thing I want to come back to here. You said that forming a corporation is a form of assembly. Mm -hmm. And I agree that you can put together a company of your choice and do what you want. But the boon that you get from forming a corporation, limitation of liability, infinite life, these are things that we don't
3: have. I I agree with you completely.
0: And Mm -hmm. look – it's called the Ransburg. Well, you, Pivot, well, you, the well you
3: can't throw a corporation in jail, although you can hold a
0: corporation criminally liable. Well, I'm looking at the Valdez thing, the Exxon Valdez or the BP oil spill. Mm-hmm. Nobody went to jail for that. Nope. What they did – and the, the top brass, they said, oh, they, they pushed it off to the lower level people and then they defended lower people. Oh, they tossed off a couple billion here and there. But nobody went to jail for well, one of the worst ecological disasters in – yeah, United States history.
3: Even worse than that. Even worse than that. Is <laughs> auto manufacturers that know they have faulty products and they balance the cost of repairing it versus what they will pay out in a personal injury award on a wrongful death action.
0: See, and that's why we shouldn't have these corporations. They should be held to the same – they should have individuals, and the individual should be held to the same standard as you sitting across the table well, I, from Well, I,
3: I think that one of the things that should be done is that people on the board of directors no. should be held. No. Well, they're the ones that are you, making you know those decisions.
0: I, I will grant you that that is a correct solution. Mm-hmm. But more important than solving the, correct, solving the problem correctly, which is what you're doing, is to solve the correct problem. Mm-hmm. The problem is corporate personhood. We should eliminate corporate personhood that way they're not gonna be able to hide behind oh the board of directors did it well the guy who actually did it he gets off or you know somebody should pay for the crimes that they commit Mm. and if they're going to make that cold-blooded numbers decision then they should pay for it and the only way to do that is to eliminate corporate personhood your opinion on that?
3: I I would uh, no. somewhat disagree with you because I still believe – On what basis? I, I, on the basis that you should be able to collectively engage can, in a you business. Can. You can. You could be a Schedule C. Yeah,
0: could a Schedule- be a, you could
3: be a partnership, but it, it, to get around the securities laws and so on – You really need – or not to get around them, but to comply with with securities laws, you would have to be that. So
0: so the problem is pervasive through the entire system. (laughs) But I would say eliminate corporate personhood and a lot of all those problems would go away. You know, one thing I really dislike about the Pennsylvania Project – is that the time I get to spend with the guests goes far, far too quickly, and there's still, still a lot more because we're out of time. That's going to have to wrap it up for the then portion of the show. Any last final comments or hey, website? It was,
3: it was a pleasure to be here.
0: It, oh, was, it was very nice to uh, have the opportunity to speak with you. Absolutely. Thanks again to my guest, Dan Wassmer, former assistant solicitor of Bucks County, for appearing on the Pennsylvania Project. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'll be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw. Inept drivers.
1: The following is a commercial announcement.
0: Hey, Rosemary, how's it going?
1: Eh, could be better. Why? What's the matter? I just found this great job, but I can't take it. Why not? They want me to go in as a 1099 contractor. So? So, what about all the taxes? Federal taxes, state taxes, this tax, that tax. I have better things to do than figuring out the tax laws, filling out all those forms. I'm a libertarian, remember?
0: Well, then you need Amendment 16.
1: Hey, Ken, it's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place.
0: No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them, and when your client pays them, they pay you, minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th.
1: Wait, and they take care of all the taxes? All the forms?
0: Yep, and they can pass along certain tax breaks,
1: too. Sounds perfect. Where do I find them?
0: On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment com. One call does it all.
1: So, you've been a registered Libertarian for years, voted for Libertarians even longer, and lived by Libertarian principles all of your life. Now, it's time to take the next step and become a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the march toward liberty in Pennsylvania, take an active role in making it happen, maybe even consider running for a local political office yourself. It all starts with joining the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy fast, and only $20 a year. So, visit lppa.org to sign up today. That's lppa.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting.
0: Uh, Thank you very much, Rosemary. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and welcome to the me portion of episode 12 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant a bit about something that really sticks in my craw, you know what that is today i already mentioned it earlier inept drivers good grief oh yeah everybody knows what i mean we see them all the time and no i'm not talking about people on cell phones most people handle that pretty well here in pennsylvania it's not like the police state new jersey where you can't do anything like that now of course i know i handle a cell phone well when i'm driving we all probably think that about ourselves too because you see ineptness in driving, it's a lot deeper than just a mere cell phone use. It's pervasive through your entire psyche. It's it's almost philosophical. Take, for example, some of the obvious safety issues that some people just never seem to get over, like tailgating. Some people just do it just the way they are. Because I see the same people on the commute into work, and they're always tailgating. Every day, they're still doing the same thing. And the solution isn't necessarily, <clears throat> necessarily jamming your on your brakes like like I've seen doing. In fact, there was one guy, he was trying to sneak in between me and the guy behind us, and he was looking at his mirror, looking at his mirror. All I had to do was jam on my brakes and bam, new car time for Ken. That would have been it. And I drive nice old cars, so might have been worth it financially. Maybe if I was a corporation, I could do that, but no. Another one is turn signals. A lot of people don't use their turn signals. I, I started a One of my clients, and I was riding with the VP, and he's talking to me, he says, he didn't use his turn signal. He mentioned, we're in the expressway, he says, I love drifting across the lanes. It gives me this sense of freedom, just go back and forth. Now, I didn't say anything, you know, he's my client, but I could just picture if my wife was there. She's got a bumper sticker. You've seen these bumper stickers that say, visualize world peace. She's got one that says, visualize using your turn signals. I didn't say anything to the guy. And then there's blowing red lights. You know, a lot of people don't blow red lights explicitly, but they do take advantage of that brief moment when it's red in all four directions, and they'll just quick shoot through. But it's gotten to the point now where people are so used to doing that that they count on it being all red. And there are some intersections that don't have where it goes all red for a second. And you could read about these sorts of people in the obituaries. (laughs) And it's just ingrained into them. And there are some that are accidental, and probably my favorite. And I taught my daughters, all three of our daughters, this. Which, by the way, one of them gave us a granddaughter yesterday morning. Thank you very much, Veronica Stella Walsh. But anyway, one of the less obvious safety issues is a three-lane expressway. You're in the left lane, somebody else is in the right lane, and both of you want to get into the middle at the same time. You look, lane is empty, and you go. They look, the lane is empty, and they go, and you bounce off each other. Stuff like that, yeah. I guess that's a, a safety issue, but that's that's not what I'm talking about here. They're not necessarily inept, but that's a trick, something you something you could put in your back pocket the next time you're thinking about going from the left or right lane into the center lane. In addition, there are cultural issues involved here with your inept drivers. Take, for example, people who actually stop at a stop sign. Where do they learn that? Certainly they didn't learn it from us. It's not the common law. It's not what everybody else does. Nobody stops for stop signs. It's a good way for them to get rear-ended. I don't know how many times I've almost rear-ended somebody because they decided to stop. Good grief. And then there are people who actually do the speed limit. What a hazard on the highways. <laughs> oh, no, man. Dan's pointing it himself. Boy, you're an attorney and you do speed limits. Do you stop at stop signs too? I do. Oh, man. You know, I checked out the, the details behind it, and it's not high speed that causes accidents. It's the differential in speed between two cars. So these people who are driving at the speed limit, they're actually the ones who are causing the unsafe situation. So what's the solution to the tailgaters, to the people who stop at stop signs, all those things? Time. The solution is time. Because all these problems, they're all going to vanish soon not long. Do you know why? Self-driving cars. They are inevitable. My fan, Elon Musk, is spearheading all of this. Self-driving car is not going to let you tailgate. It's not going to let you speed. It's not going gonna, gonna to make sure that you use your turn signals. And all those fun things in life, they're all going to vanish. You're not going to be able to drift across the highway. You're not going to be able to cut the red light at the last second. You're not going to be able to roll stop signs like we've all been doing for the last are stop signs, 100 years. All the fun things will be gone. But one good thing, the transition from where we are now to self-driving cars, that's going to be fun. Think of it. There's going to be a mix of self-driving and manually driven cars. And some of us troublemakers, I don't say us troublemakers, we're going to create our own set of problems. We're fun, depending on which kind of car you're driving. For example, I'm an IT guy. I know ways to psych out an artificial intelligence. Little things like if you go to cut it out, it's going to yield. <laughs> You're going to be able to make it slow down, make it get out of your way. Can you imagine dueling for a parking place with a self-driving car? They'll just sit there and wait. Have you, have you seen the Teslas as they try to park? They're a little bit slow about it. I could, see, I'd be right in there before that Tesla could even get into reverse. And you know, this is time for full disclosure. I am a Tesla shareholder. Not a big one, but still I'm a shareholder. Oh, and Dan is pointing <laughs> to himself too. I don't drive one yet. It'd be, I just priced one out. It'd be $1,000 a month for the next five years counting insurance and everything like that. I don't know. I'm waiting for, where's my Model T, Elon? Hmm. So anyway, dueling parking lots, that'd be a lot of fun. And what about after the transition? when those two dueling cars are both self-driving. Interesting. To quote William Shakespeare, Oh, wonder how beauteous mankind is. Oh, brave new world that has such cars in it. Paraphrasing, I guess. And, you know, it's not just the, the drivers that stick in my craw. It's the cars themselves. I heard a new term. It's called dirty energy, and I loved it right off the bat. Cars are filled with poisons, and I'm not just talking about the drivers this time. But think of the deadly poisons under the hood. Oil, trans-fluid, power-steering fluid, gasoline. And I don't know, maybe there's a fifth one, too. Can we drink the, power, the drink washer fluid? I don't know. Probably not. I wouldn't think I would try it. And then the exhaust, that's poisonous, too. And then there's fluid leaks. I actually had a motorcycle accident, and I slid on an oil slick on East River Drive, what do they call it now, Kelly Drive in Philadelphia. I slid for 100 yards down the road and actually survived all that. Well, I can hear from our producer here that we're running a little low on time. So we are going to end on that apocalyptic note and go right for the wrap-up for episode 12 of the Pennsylvania Project. So if you have something to say, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com, and you can hear us there, too, as well as on iTunes and any of your popular popular podcast providers. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting at 10 a.m. every Saturday at 860 a.m. in Philadelphia, and released on a podcast every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Our webmaster is Stephen Worley. Marketing guru is Connor Dragotis. Featured Toastmaster narrators is Drexel University professor and Drexel Toastmaster faculty advisor Rosemary Reese, keyboard wizard Joe the Pag, executive producer Mark Pizzacco, and me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us, and I can't say it enough, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem.